This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. A lot of collaboration and then even more than anything is a lot of love. Everybody here supports each other. And I think that's been the common thread within this group. Um, So we really appreciate you being here. Michael is a um, a friend of mine, uh, a friend of Adrian's, a friend of Squad Up. Um, Adrian and I met Michael at a RIA meeting and had no idea. We saw him, we thought, oh, that's great. We had no idea his depth of knowledge. But why don't we just start off with maybe tell people who you are, where you live, and where you invest in, and just that little bit of your backstory. Sure. So, uh, Michael Zuber, I am a Silicon Valley resident. I've been here about five decades, so I'm about 50. Lip grew up in Sunnyvale, lived in Santa Clara, you know, lived in Cupertino, now reside in Mountain View. So, definitely a Bay Area kid. Uh, but like many folks who try to invest here, doesn't make financial sense. So after about a year of research, I found Fresno, California. My journey starts with a purchase in December of 02, leads to financial freedom in uh, February 1st of 2018. And, uh, you know, that portfolio goes from a single house on Norris Drive, uh, starts in 1031 exchanges in 07, 08 to protect our, our wealth. We go from 8 to 80, then the market turns. Nobody wants to lend to us. We find hard money, private money. We just don't give up. A lot like what I just saw earlier in the, in the winds, you just keep moving forward and you figure it out. Uh, I now have been retired almost three years. It's, it's unbelievable to say my wife's been retired for seven or eight years. And what I do now is I give back. Uh, I'm lucky enough where I'm a morning person. My wife's an evening person. So I'm up at 6 a.m., no alarm clock. I've been that way for over a decade. And as Ty knows, uh, I'm... I'm helping people and, and Adrian on YouTube. I have a one rental at a time YouTube channel, which gets three to four to five original pieces every day. I do a daily financial show. I interview five different multimillionaires every week. Ty and I talk on Fridays, for example. And I just give back now. That's, that's all I do. And I'm trying to create a legacy that outlives me by 50 years. Uh, I don't need the private jet. I don't need the Lambo. But if I can impact people 50 years after I'm dead, that's a win. So that's what I'm working on every day. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you, Michael. So just, I, I want to clarify too, because I know your, I know your, how you grew up and, mm-hmm. and that a lot of people hear Silicon Valley, they hear, you know, Menlo Park, Cupertino, Sunnyvale, <laughs> and they get a perception that, oh, he must come from a billionaire, millionaire <laughs> family. Was your family really wealthy? And just kind of maybe talk a little bit about early years. Are you yeah. Yeah, let's just, so both my parents are high school graduates. They met in the military. Um, my mother was a stay-at-home mom. My dad never made more than 30 or 35,000 a year. Um, we were, un- she, he was unemployed many times in the 80s. The 80s was, was rough. Uh, to say that money wasn't around is an understatement. I, I have personal memories of eating a single baked potato a day for 30 days straight. Another time, uh, was ramen noodles from a, a grocery store called Payless, I think it was called. We d- m- money was never around. Um, so no, I was not re- wealthy. I, uh, 
my parents, yeah, it's it, money. Money was a stressor. Money was absolutely a stressor in my family. And I still, as you know, we, we've talked many times, Ty, I hold on to that. It's a fire that keeps me burning. Uh, it's a fire to help educate kids. I, I love to talk at high schools and colleges now uh, because I believe the rat race starts the day you leave school. And we're all enticed by higher incomes, more toys, more, more consumerism. And I fell into that trap. I wasted my, my 20s. You know, I made six figures. I made more than my parents by the time I was 26. And, um, but I didn't have anything to show for it because I spent it all. It was all gone. Uh, so Rich Dad, Poor Dad changed my life at 30. Uh, but it doesn't tell you how. Rich Dad, Poor Dad's a mindset shift, and I'm very appreciative. But boy, I've read it a dozen times. It doesn't tell you how to do anything. So I spent years figuring it out. And uh, hence, one rental at a time was born. And we dealt with the real estate depression and, and all kinds of stuff. But no, I had... Nobody in my family had any money. Nobody in my family had any real estate experience. The other thing is, I never lived in Fresno. I didn't know anybody in Fresno. I still have never spent the night in Fresno. Um, but I learned the market. I looked every day. I lived below my means. And I just took daily action. The, the key to my success is 10 to 20 minutes a day moving forward. I had a job that took me all over the world. I could very easily be in three foreign countries in a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And I still found time to look for real estate. I bought all of my investments before I retired out of the MLS. I'm not an agent. I don't have any special uh, connections. Um, no REA. I just, I just grind it. I mean, like all of your success stories, I put one foot in front of the other and I never gave up. And I, I've now looked at my market every day for 20 years. Uh, so I, I know it fairly well. I love it. Thank you for that. I love too how simplistic, like the thing I hear too is that, and I know you're really very, very smart guy, college educated, he has an MBA. I know you know your stuff, you know, from numbers and professional, but also to the simplicity and maybe just speak to also kind of within the book. And this is not a promotion of the book, by the way, but the book is a great resource. To me, it's one of the best things out there. If, especially for all of us, we're in the, we're in the business. And I love like with Jose sharing, making $300,000 in income. But why would we work so hard to give half of it away in taxes, especially while we can create wealth and we're on the ground floor? Michael wasn't even a realtor, is not a realtor, never had a license, never really had the wholesale and that thing going, right, in the early years and building his portfolio. So just, Michael, can you, how many units do you have? I wanted to just share that. I think we're at 181. 181 units. Okay. Mm -hmm. So do you think Michael may know a little bit about the game? <laughs> A little bit. Right? So we have an expert here. We have an absolute expert. And let me ask you, talk about the simplicity and talk about the theme of one rental at a time. Yeah. So one rental at a time really came from not from Rich Dad Poor Dad not delivering what I thought it should. I thought it should have told me how to do it, right? And I thought I missed it. I honestly thought I skipped part of the book. I'm like, I must have missed it. Let me go back and read it. So when I left the rat race to February 1st of 2018, after a week of celebrating, I realized I had to do something. So I wrote that book. First, why? I wanted to write a book that I could never find. And for me, that meant I was a full-time employee. I was never in the real estate game. I had family responsibilities. I worked on average 100 hours a week when you include travel, which I certainly did because I freaking hate airplanes. So every flight was torture for me. Um, but I did it and I wanted to give people belief and confidence. Again, Rich Dad Poor Dad changes your mind, but it 
never really gave me confidence, right? They only talk about their condos they bought. I bought a condo in Honolulu and she bought one in Portland. That was kind of the end of the story. So I wanted to document a story. And oh, by the way, it just happens to be that I invested through the biggest real estate bubble ever that crushed people, which we successfully avoided. Then we uh, successfully avoided the crash because we found ways to get deals done. So by watching your market, real estate is the beautiful thing because if you watch it, you can see the trend coming. You can see the herd. You could dance around raindrops. It's not like stocks, which move in a heartbeat. One bad piece of information, even by an ulterior company in your sector, can destroy a stock. Um, I love real estate because it, it, if you're paying attention, you could see what's coming. And that's why talking about 2021, fairly confident about what's coming. Uh, we've had, I've had validation with uh, John Burns Real Estate Consulting. Talked a little bit with CoreLogic. So a lot of this stuff will make sense. Um, but I've, seen it, I've been seeing it coming for months. And it's just because I look every day. There are very few people in the real estate business that look at their market, market as often as I do. Uh, I will have looked at it probably two or three times by 9 a.m. Uh, every, every morning, just because I'm up early and I'm looking for different searches and all of that. Because I'm still looking to grow. I'm not done. That's the beauty of real estate investing. It's not like playing a professional sport where you got to be done by 28 or you're an old timer at 30. Um, I'm never going to stop. I love it. Never going to stop. Absolutely love it. So what we're going to do, and I want to do this, I'm going to ask a couple more questions. I'm also going to give it to Adrian to ask a few questions. But here's right now at this moment, what I want to do is if you have a question, and you don't have to have a question right now, but if you have a question, post it in the chat or as something bubbles up, post your question in the chat. And then what we'll do is Adrian will pull, will pull up the chat and then we'll call on you and then you can unmute yourself. So we'll say, hey, hey, Bill, go ahead, go ahead. You're, we had a question about absorption rate. Bill, why don't we go ahead and cover that? And then you can ask your question and interact with, with Michael. So again, please, if you have questions, post it in the chat. And then I'm going to ask you one more question, Michael, and I'm going to tee it up with regard to the forecast in 2021. It's something you and I pretty much talk about every week. But what do you see going forward in California? Everybody here is California. I think even, you know, there's a few people from Arizona. I don't know if they're on today. We have a little bit of people that watch from um, Southern Nevada as well, which I know you cover and focus on as well with Brian Lebo. Um, what do you see happening in the real estate market in 2021 in California with residential? So I think there's a couple of things that are, that are trends that are investable and as agents you should watch for. So first and foremost, I think urban flight or you might call it work from home is real. So as a California agent, that really gives you an opportunity to do a couple of things. First, if you're Sally and they have high tech jobs, one great question to figure out is I would ask them, wish them happy holidays, all of that stuff. But I would proactively reach out and ask about, have you, you know, can you work from home? Can you work from anywhere? Because again, if the answer is yes, you're building your pipeline. And if they are owning something, great, because you may get two sides. But a lot of people that work from home or in tech here rent because it's ungodly expensive. So the beauty there is there are plenty of places you can live, Fresno just being one of them, cheaply or cheaper right? For example, there's a, there's a house that I've dreamed of buying in Fresno. It's 4,400 square feet, less than 10 years old uh, on a lake. And it's a million one. The condo I'm sitting in here is uh, 1,361 square feet and is a million seven. 
right? It's just, we, we live in a freaking crazy environment. Um, so it's just a better quality of life. So that's the first thing. If I had, if I had friends, I had network, I would, I would start networking now around work from home. That'd be, that'd be first thing I would do to build pipeline. Second thing that is absolutely investable are millennials. Right? Millennials are, some of them are in their thirties. And I say this as a father of a 29 year old. So she is, she's squarely in that camp. Um, but millennials are becoming buyers, right? They are giving up their $4,4200 a month rent in San Francisco and they're moving and they're becoming owners. And again, most likely they're becoming owners and their quality of life is going up. They're getting more space. They're lowering their monthly nut. They're getting closer to financial freedom. Again, if I had millennials friends who were renting in an urban area, I would make those phone calls now because again, you'll be building pipeline. Those are investable. Uh, the other things that are pretty obvious here in California um, is we are seeing flight. We are seeing people, baby boomers, usually maybe it's some, you know, YouTube entertainers, like everybody talks about Graham, Stephan, Joe Rogan, those guys, but there are people leaving for tax reasons. We are the most expensive state, 13.3% with talk of it going to 16.1. That's not good. Wealth tax in San Francisco. That's not good. Uh, so there are people that if their jobs allow them, they really can go somewhere. So I would, again, reach out to those folks, see if they really are going to sell. Maybe they're going to turn them into rentals. Who knows? But I would probably start networking with agents in other states so you can get those referral fees, right? These are just all things to proactively find ways to get in front of transactions and move forward. And then the last thing I'll say about 2021, and this is what, this is magical. Everybody on this phone should do double their business next year because what we were missing in 2020 was the move up buyer. We had plenty of first time buyers come in and we had some rich people cash in big checks, but we were missing the majority of the market. The majority of every market is move up buyers. So what happened? February, you know, January comes in February, this whole virus thing kicks off. First thing happens is all these people that are 40 to 60 go, I'm not selling my home. I don't know what's going on. Don't touch my stuff. I'm not selling. We've really not seen that unlock this year. Now that the vaccines have actually started to be delivered, we're actually injecting Americans. Uh, by the time the next spring selling season comes around, those people are going to be sitting on gobs of equity. They're going to be so bored of their house. They've already painted it. They've already changed, you know, the bathroom and they're going to want to upgrade. So next year is going to be awesome because you're going to be able to like one person set in their wins. You're going to be double ending transactions. You're going to help somebody sell and then you're going to help somebody buy. So I would be proactively again, reaching out to anybody who would qualify as a move up buyer. Anybody who bought 2010 to 2015 sitting on a gob of equity in California, I'd be making phone calls right now. And I'd be saying, hey, just so you know, interest rates are still pretty low. They won't be low forever. But if you're thinking about being a move up buyer, I think we should probably list March, get ahead of the curve. Because once we get to April or May, the, the wave's going to come. And the, the, the move up buyers who start first are going to have pricing power. I'm afraid that the, the supply will be so large that we will actually have a softening uh, but that's probably May and June. But these are all things that I see coming. And again, they've been validated. John, uh, John Burns uh, Real Estate Consulting was talking about 8% national. I think they're being wimps. I think it's more like 10%. Uh, CoreLogic is being even more negative. That's because they're giving too much power to unemployment. Unemployment is very much a renter phenomenon in most cases, or at least larger percentage. Um, you know, the people that are living more paycheck to paycheck. Owners, work from home, white collar, uh, we are going to go, 2021 will go down as a booming year. Q2 through Q4 will be massive. Uh, consumers have taught me lots of things in this, this world, and that is they don't like to save. 
And what have we been doing for basically 12 months? We've been sitting on our hands, right? I can tell you this much. I will never order DoorDash next year. I get DoorDash two or three times a week now. I'll never do it again. I will visit every restaurant around me next year because I am tired of getting food delivered. Um, I will not patronize Amazon anymore because I'm tired of getting these freaking boxes, right? I'm going to go shopping and I'm just one person and there'll be whatever it is, 320 million people that are just as tired of what we've had to suffer through the next year. So next year is going to be awesome. The consumer is going to be out in force. We got a trillion dollars sitting in money market accounts that are waiting to be put to work. Uh, I'm excited about next year. Love it. Absolutely love it. I have more questions, but I'm going to pass to Adrian because I, he's a great co-host and I feel like I'm hogging it. So go for it, Adrian. No, that's, that's, that's really good. I, my only question is because I can see people asking in the chat, what are you looking for when you're, when you go into your market, you said you looked at it two or three times this morning. What are you looking at? So the thing I look for two things today, I built my career looking for yield, right? What I talk about in my course and I teach is I want to know how hard my cash is working. So I spent time in my market. I know the average return today in late 2020 is 6%. So that's my average. I'm trying to look for deals that are 8% and above. They're hard to find. They're really hard to find today with no inventory. But I will pull the trigger on every deal where I can make 8% on my money. And that's a real simple calculation. Top line is expected yearly cash flow. Bottom, you know, the denominator is out-of-pocket expense, which is down payment, closing cost, and make ready. And I will add all, every unit that makes 8% or more, I will buy and add to my portfolio. And then because I have, I need, I have more time and I have teams, I'm also buying to flip. Uh, so basically I'm often looking for the ugliest house on the block that has to take cash because I have cash. Um, so I'm doing, you know, I did 26 in 18, no, 23 in 18, 26 in 19, but only seven this year because the market's different. Uh, but those are the two things that I look for. Okay, and when you're, when you're running market data, what you're looking at actives, pendings, backups, closed? Yep, all that stuff, yep. Yeah, I'm basically, what I'm always trying to do is, I believe if you look at the market, you don't have to overthink it. Again, I don't have, I don't have the access all of you have. I'm just trying to see what the daily fluctuations are. And if you watch it every day, it'll tell you what's coming on, what's going off, what's going, what's getting, what's going off and then coming back, right? Maybe it has quality issues, what's having a price reduction. The market will tell you if you just pay attention. So I just hit the same searches all the time. And um, yeah, it's, it, I, know it, I know it better than most agents in Fresno, for sure. That's big, really big. I love it. Uh, T.Y., you want to go to questions? Yeah, so I just, I want to tee this up because it gets talked about, and you and I talk about it a lot, Michael, um, specifically, and even like Eric asked this, and I'm going to um, also, I just want to tee it up though, is that, what about this big giant wave of foreclosures? What about this tsunami <laughs> notice of defaults and this tsunami of forbearance agreement? And um, I love that you're laughing. So yes, <laughs> sorry, I don't. Yeah, yeah. You want to finish your question, or you just want to talk? About no, it? no. I think it's appropriate that you're laughing. I love that. Um, that there's this big wave of foreclosures, and I'm just wondering, like, I, I want to. So people okay. are talking about a bubble. All the in. And maybe even explain the difference with the YouTube entertainers versus yeah. educators and experts. So, yeah. So, so, so first off, there is no wave of foreclosures. There is no tsunami. There is 3.2 million people in forbearance, but forbearance does not equal foreclosure. So let's just get that off the table. So first and foremost, there's a couple of things. Um, where should we start? Um, one of the things that I sent out to my YouTube channel 
um, which both all of you are on, it went out like a week ago. So you may have this in your email, which you can share with the community. There are two charts. The first chart is price to income. Okay. So price to income historically meant that, hey, people can't afford a house. And the YouTube entertainers who don't know what's going on are pointing at this chart saying, hey, look, 2020 is just like 2008 because the chart's the same, right? 2008, big trough, 2020, roughly the same level. Well, that's interesting, but irrelevant because how many of your buyers buy based on price? None of them. All of them buy on payment, right? So here's the deal. I was buying back in 08 where interest rates were six and a half percent. Interest rates today are two and a half percent. So if interest rates are four points lower, guess where the payment goes? So the second chart, which again, Adrian and Ty, you both have, cause you're in my, you're subscribed to my channel, which you can again send is price to payment. And price to payment today in 2020 is right on the average line. The average is 29.2% of disposable income. We are not in a bubble, not in a bubble, not in a bubble. So anybody who says we're in a bubble, is an idiot or wrong, I let them choose. They can call themselves whatever they like. It's one of those two things. So it just is. So then the millennials and everybody who's waiting for prices to go down uh, is a fluke, it's a fugazi, it's a fugazi. Well, they so. can wait, it just won't happen for the next three or four years. I mean, eventually prices will come down. I mean, eventually they will be right. But if you are telling, where I have heartburn with people and I, I is I, there's been people saying they're going to fall 30 or 40% in 2021. I have bet them 10 grand to any charity they want. If they want to get on, record it and debate it. None of them have took me up on it. Meet Kevin, uh, um, God, all these other names. I've Ken McElroy, right? All these other folks. I'm like, let's talk. I'll bet 10 grand I'll, to any charity you want. Cause I know you don't need the money, right? Ken and Kevin and all these freaking <laughs> so put put your money up let's go right none of them take me up on it they all just want to talk for clicks and all this other nonsense um, so yeah no crash next year in fact I will bet it will go up 10% or greater nationally speaking in 2021 Love it. So I, love it. I love it yeah. Eric did you want to follow it up I mean I don't I think I've, I don't think I've answered that question yet in general I'm just I'm just starting so let so the other thing are there 3.2 million people in forbearance? Yes, there are. But a forbearance does not equal foreclosure. We have to get that connection off. Too many people say, hey, look, three, too many people think people are in forbearance are late. They're not late. They're not a day late. Folks, forbearance is an agreement between the lender and the borrower. The only time you are late is when there is not an agreement between the lender and the borrower. So if you are in forbearance for 12 months, are you late 12 months? No, you're not even late a day. The only time you go late is when you want forbearance longer and the bank says no. Now you, the clock has started. And let's remember the time, because I've been doing this forever. Do you know how long a foreclosure took in California in the last crisis? 740 days. Do you know how long it took in Vegas? 1,400 days. So even if you were going to foreclosure, it's not going to happen until 2022 or 2023 because there's not 700 days in a year. I don't get it. I don't understand what people are saying. 
So the other thing you have to realize is you got to take that 3.2 million people and you start, you have to cut it up. Because what is a forbearance? A forbearance means I can't make a mortgage payment. It has nothing to do with equity. You could have been in your house 28 years, lost your job in a restaurant and not be able to make the payment. There's, there's no equity in this forbearance thing. But in reality, you owe $12 on your mortgage and the house is worth a million bucks. So just because you're in forbearance and they don't agree, what would you do? You would sell. 3.2 million people in forbearance, more than half of those people have to have more significant equity. Right? There's no time frame. There's, when I've done the math and I've backed out of it, there's about 20% of the people in forbearance that probably have less than 10% equity, meaning they bought in the last year. But as time goes by, even those people are gaining equity. So the fact that you think we're going to have distressed inventory is comical. And then finally, for the few cities like Vegas, Orlando, maybe San Francisco, where we think they're going to have disproportionate problems, we have all these freaking billionaires and hedge funds and American Home Shields and all these other people salivating on the sidelines to buy houses at a discount because they will rent them forever. So they will take a 10% discount and call it a day. They have really cheap money, less than 1%. They don't need a huge return. So even if this wave showed up in Vegas, which is probably the market that's most in pain, Wall Street's going to come and sop them up and we're never going to see the discounts. We will not see 50% discount like we saw in 08. Impossible. Not going to happen. So now I'm done. Hold <laughs> <Spot> on. <laughs> that is so good. That is so good. And I did see there was a quote by uh, Lawrence Yoon, the chief economist for NRA, saying any foreclosure increase will quickly be absorbed by the market. It will not lead to any price reductions. That actually just came out this morning. I saw that. So it's funny that you said that. Thank you for the confirmation there, Michael. I'm glad he's watching my channel. Yeah. <laughs> I've been saying it for 60 days, but that's cool. That's exactly what happened. That's fun. <laughs> I love it. Why not? Yeah. Put it out there. So let's go to some more questions from the, from the group. Um, Eric, did that cover your question pretty well? Um, yeah, basically. I mean, we're no, I, no, I didn't. I think <laughs> yeah, what's the only difference between now and in 2008 was people have equity now. Right. Well, that and the, and the debt is different. Remember, the debt's different. Right. What so, caused the cascading was the debt structure. I still think there could be some distress because unemployment, all that. But Well, let's talk about it. But the foreclosure is not going to happen. They will sell it before it ever forecloses. Exactly. Or, or Fannie and Freddie will just sell non-performing notes and... Just it, be it, it, we, it won't hit the MLS like last time, Eric. It won't be... Any, I mean, I remember I was buying any offer accepted, please. I mean, all capital letters. That was the thing in 2010 when I bought like 40 houses, any offer accepted, it's not going to happen. We will never see it. The people have equity will sell. The non-performing notes will be sold to wall street because they're geared up and they actually do rental homes now, right? American rentals or American homes or whatever it's called. It's got 12,000 rentals and they got another billion dollars to buy more. These we're not going to see them. They'll be gone especially with wholesalers and flippers like myself, yeah, we go get them before it ever gets to that stage. So exactly. The market won't even see it. No, I mean, mom, I, mom and pop. I agree. Not going to happen. Totally agree. Love it, Eric. Thank you, Michael. Love it. Thank you, Eric. Let's go to Naomi. Naomi, you had a great question. 
Hi. Um, yeah, I got kicked off, so I can't see what I wrote exactly. But you mentioned in your book that um, the way that you found your first, well, basically Fresno, is you pulled out a map and then you used the 1% rule. Um, what would you do today to define your criteria for finding a new market? Oh, yeah. That's a good question. So again, so a little bit before we chose Fresno, again, these are personal decisions, which is really what you're asking me. So when I couldn't, when I spent a year looking in the Bay Area, right, because every book I read 30 minutes from home, right, that's what every book says. And as I said in the book, we tried a year, 52 weeks, didn't work. Wife says, what the hell, we're not doing that anymore. So the first question is, do we, do we drive or fly? Because that is a question a lot of people have. As I shared really briefly earlier, I am a terrible flyer. So the last thing I wanted to do was take another plane flight anywhere. And to see my real estate, it just wouldn't happen. So for us, flying was off the table. Out of state works for some people, it just wasn't gonna work for us. Then we pulled the California map out and we just started drawing circles. The other thing that's not in your comment is, yes, we were, we were looking for something that made sense, but it was a big city. There were, there were towns that we could have gotten before then, but they were too dependent either, they were so close, they were like, hey, it's 90 minutes to San Francisco. Well, that's a long drive when it rains, it's like three hours, right? That wasn't, that wasn't interesting to us where the employees would be needing to do that. So we wanted a big area. At the time, Fresno was half a million people. We wanted uh, a mixed economy. We didn't want it to be single. We didn't want it to be like San Diego when the military left or uh, Texas, like Midland, Texas, when oil is 30 bucks, nothing happens, right? Fresno is very mixed economy. In fact, it wasn't hurt by the dot-com bust at all in our research. And then finally, it was average income to price. Average income back in the day was 50 grand. It's now 62. Uh, and, you know, we could buy a house for 100 grand. Our first was 107. Uh, and rent was 1100. Um, so that made us feel comfortable. But again, we had to start from scratch. So we, we started one zip code, Mayfair District 93703. That was all I looked at for two years, one zip code for two years. And then we expanded from there. You got to get comfortable. People would, you know, if you, if, if you look at Fresno, and you try to learn Fresno without ever being there, it's too big, right? It's now a million people. You've got people get what get, they get wrong, especially if they have a full-time job is you got to get hyper-focused. You got to become the, for, for me, it was, I'm the Mayfair expert, three bedroom, two bath, four bedroom, two bath, between 12 and 1500 square feet. I could have comped that using your lingo any day. And no matter what the condition, you know, after about six months. And that's just what I bought. It's just what I bought for the first couple of years. And then I expanded when Mayfair went up, then I had to go out and I went to the zip code next to it. And now I can look at the entire market, but that, that took six or seven years before I could cover Fresno entirely. Does that make sense? Thank you. Great question, Naomi. Awesome. Great question. Let's go to Martin. Martin Ruiz has a good question. Hey, how's it going, Michael? I just have a question. What advice could you give somebody who wants to start? And um, you guys hear me? Can you hear me? It's really breaking up, Martin. I wasn't sure if it was me or the group, but it's definitely breaking up pretty bad. Yeah, how about there we go. I just had a question. What advice would you give somebody who wants to start and what um, would you recommend for them? Just so I'm clear, start buying hold or start what? Yeah, start buying rentals. Like just oh. what advice would you give somebody like what to look for or like what, mm -hmm. you know, what to prepare for? 
Yeah, what I tell everyone in Thai and Adrian will know this is, first thing you need to do is you need to learn the skill of learning a market. I believe every market has an average return, but it's not obvious. And by, and I call it yield, some people call it cash on cash. And I talked about it earlier, Fresno was six or six and a half. I think you have to look at that. And I think it takes you 90 days to figure it out. Don't be in a rush. If you are lucky enough to have cash in the bank, keep it there, right? Don't rush. Don't gamble. Do the work. 2020 is a tough, tough year to be an investor. Not enough inventory and too many owner occupants buying their first home. It's rough. I did 250 offers this year, Martin. No deals. The deals I did were off market. So realize most years aren't like that. Most years, if I do 250 offers, I'll do somewhere between 12 and 15. 2020 is odd. That's why I think 2021 will be special because all that extra inventory that was held back by people being scared is going to come and it's going to come in a wave and then it'll be a tsunami. And then all the different quality differences will show up and some people will have to sell fast and we'll be able to capitalize because we'll find them. Uh, so learn your market, learn what averages. Most people rush. You need to learn what your average market is. And then once you know average, if you know average is 6%, you got to bust your ass and find eights and nines. That's it. Everybody can find six. It's average. Figure out average and then go bust your ass and find eights and nines. And those are just examples. If you're investing in Cleveland, maybe average is 12. So go bust your ass and find 14s and 15s, whatever it is. But that's what I tell people. That's, you know, Adrian and Ty both know that's, that's kind of step one and step two, right in, right in the course. Uh, thank you. Great question, Martin. Thank you, Michael. Uh, we're going to go to Renee. Renee, are you there? Yeah. Can you guys hear me? Yes, we can. Beautiful. So um, a lot of, I don't know about Squad Up, but a lot of um, the people that I've been with in this group tend to be more in their 20s and 30s, and that's a place to start. I'm not in that age bracket. And so the people that I tend to, to work with and do business with are in their even 40s and 50s. So what advice might you have for getting started in that age bracket with mm -hmm. maybe a healthy, um, you know, income, not maybe even sure. what we have the potential to make. And I do live in Los Angeles. So, you know, mm -hmm. the average person here might make a hundred or 150,000. Sure. Yeah. I, I would say I attract that kind of following. I'm in that age group, right? I'm a, I'm a whisper shy of 50. And um, that's kind of my network. And what I tell everybody is what your first goal should be is four. Let's get you to four rentals. Why four? Well, first off, it started because four was the easiest loans to get. There was a time where you could only get four, right? And after four, it was like, no, you can't do it. You got to have reserves and seasoning and all that nonsense. That's now gone away. So you can get 10. But I tell everybody, whether you're 25 or 55, let's get to four rental properties. Because if you just get to four, your life is different. Then if you're 55, you do have a choice. Do I do a 15 year or 30 year? That's really the only difference is what loan product do you get? If you're a high six-figure earner, I typically say get 15 because the story is, well, I want to be done by 65. Well, you have a 15-year loan, you buy 55, you're pretty much done. Um, if you're not one of them, then still get 30 years because what you'll do at the end of 30 years or at the end of 10 years when you're looking to retire is you could sell one and pay off the other three because I do believe in being um, hyper-conservative when you leave the W-2. But when you have a W-2, use it. 
right? Go get those loans. Go get that cheap. I had an investor call me the other day, got a 2.9% mortgage. Freaking crazy for an investment property. It's just bonkers. Go get that cheap money. That's what I would tell them. Love it. Great question, Renee. Great answer, Michael. Uh, we're going to go to Elizabeth. Elizabeth has a great question. Hey, Michael. Thank you very much. I actually watch and hear your YouTube every single day, so it's very oh. informative. First Thank question you. for you would be, yesterday you talked about the 10 cities people are moving out of and the 10 cities people are moving in. Yep. You were just starting to buy and wanted to analyze and you weren't afraid of flying, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, which, which one of the 10 cities would you consider? Uh, let me see if I can find that. Um, so I don't have the list in front of me, but I would look Southeast. So, you know, sort of Atlanta, Huntsville, you know, that kind of air, Florida, perhaps. That's where I would be going. I don't like Texas because of how they treat property taxes. I looked at Texas pretty big, as I talk about in the book, 0809. It's not the layup everybody says it is. Um, I think Vegas is highly volatile. Um, so I would go southeast, you know, if you put a gun to my head. That's where I'd go. I would avoid snow. Okay. Uh, I think there's a general appetite for better weather. And if we could go no snow plus no state tax, that's a winner. So that's generally Florida. Nashville's right on the border, or Tennessee's right on the border. I, I, I wouldn't do Texas. Nevada, maybe. Maybe there's some places outside of Vegas. But th that's, that's where I would start. Again, I wouldn't do it because I hate flying still, but I know what you're saying. So. Yeah. All right. Thank you. I appreciate that. Because I was looking into Texas, but I know the 6% um, tax there is a lot more. Yeah. And it I mean, again, I, I know people that were, I mean, because here's the deal, right? 2008, I had a choice. We were selling our California houses because they were ridiculously priced. We were taking about 800 grand in equity and we were going to put it somewhere. I could have moved it to Texas, probably gotten 15 homes probably, but I would not be retired today. Mm -hmm because the taxes would have consumed most, if not all the cash flow. That's how punitive yearly summaries are. It's crazy. I know friends who bought in 08 that are now upside down. Thank God they work. But as you know, in my book, that's an alligator, mm -hmm. right? No, 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 thank you. No, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. It helps me making a decision. Thank you. You're welcome. Great question, Elizabeth. I love it. Love it. Love it. Let's go to, we're going to go to Ali. Then we're going to go to Jose and then we're going to go to Robert only because we're getting short on time. Just really make your question exact. We're kind of in the lightning round now. Also, if I have not called on your question, please repost it again, just because I'm sorting through the whole chat. So uh, let's go for it. Uh, Michael, the amount of units that you have, uh, do you hire a management company to deal with the day-to-day -day activities? Number one. And then two, how, at what point and what expect, at what expense do you call or limit where it's too much? Uh, so I've had property managers since day one. Again, I don't want my tenants to know who I am. I think property management's the hardest part of this business. I will never, ever, ever. I wouldn't manage my condo next door to me. There's no way in hell. I don't want people to know who I am. Um, so I, I, uh, I paid 10% for a long time. I pay significantly less than that now. Uh, I don't think it's fair to my property manager to say the discount I get today. So I won't because a lot of people know who it is. Um, but I just say I pay a lot less today. Thank you. Great question. Sure, of course. All right, question, Mike. Are you airbnb in any of your properties? Nope. 
nope, no month, month to month, year lease. Yeah, no. Nope. Any thoughts on Airbnb? I know we've got uh, several people that are really into that. And yeah, I think I think Airbnb is a, a tremendous option for lots of people. I think if you have a vacation kind of place, I even think Airbnb kind of in the cities make a lot of sense. I think Airbnb arbitrage is a thing. Um, it's just not for me. Uh, I've built my business on month-to-month rentals. I have conservative finance. I think what Airbnb allows you to do, kind of like real estate in 08, is it allows you to beat up the Excel spreadsheet to make a bad deal look good, right? Pretty soon you're like, oh man, if I get 26 days booked, I finally make money. Really? 26 days is your bar? I, I mean, I get it. I applaud everybody that does it. I thankfully don't, not in a situation where I have to beat up my spreadsheet to make the thing cash flow. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I love it. Beautiful. How about, uh, I think Jose, Jose had a question. Yeah, so I've been, I've been uh, reading about people getting creative with like 401ks and Roth IRAs and all that stuff. Do you recommend that's a, a good route to go through or what do you think about that? So again, I know there's lots of, so you got to be very careful with these. So the, a lot of people have self-directed IRAs that are doing lending out of, and some people are buying, right? So self-directed IRAs, not 401ks. Um, those are 401k conversions to self-directed IRAs. So if you can do those and you have the right reserves and all of that, it's absolutely possible. Um, you can do, do private lending out of them. You can also uh, buy in them, but you got to be very careful. Um, yeah, I think lending is probably the most straightforward out of a self-directed IRA being a private money investor. Uh, it allows you to turn your money a lot faster. Uh, as from the 401k, what you may be talking about is in the CARES Act that was passed in March. Uh, you can take out up to 100k in certain situations without penalty. You still pay taxes. Don't forget you pay the tax man on that, uh, but you don't pay the 10% penalty. Um, but I've known some people to do that. And just again, as I said in my book, I cashed out my 401ks when I left work, but I borrowed, I did, I did a 401k loan every year from 2007, no, 2008 through like 2015, because it was just another source of capital. It was cheap, but my, my company's 401k plan allowed that. I could borrow up to 50k. I could pay it back in a year. All good. So I just kept doing that year after year after year. So kind of depends on what you mean by IRA 401k, but that's off the top of my head. Yeah. Yeah. That was the exact actually uh, question I had. You answered it. Cool. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, let's see. One more. I think um, let's do uh, Juan. Juan, you had a question. Thanks, Ty. Uh, okay. Well, uh, first, my comment. Um, uh, I know. I know we're short of time. I, I'm 57 years old. It's, it's like I, I feel like I'm at the end of the end of the game, but I like to think not. So where do you watch your fluctuations daily and what are your key sources of information? And of course, this is going to be after I read the book um, that we spoke about. Um, real quick one. What do you mean by fluctuations daily? What do, what do you mean? Yeah, you, you mentioned that you watch fluctuations daily in the market. Oh. And I'm, I'm wondering, where do, you, where do you source that information? And, yep. you know, so we can, we can sort of copy. Yeah. So again, I don't overcomplicate it. Remember, I'm not an agent like everybody here in Squad Up. Uh, so I was just using Realtor.com. I have a realtor.com save searches, which I beat on every day and I document what's in them and I just see what comes and goes and changes, goes up, down, all of that. Uh, it's okay. not, you know, it's not overly complicated and I like touching and feeling it, especially if you're new, save your search, run it. And then what I tell you in the beginning is transfer it, right? And what I want you to do typically is I want that first search to be between 20 and 40 active listings. 
If it's 117, it's too long. Nobody can go through that. If it's seven, it's too little. So try to make that search between 20 and 40 and then transfer it. Hey, one, two, three, Main Street, five, six, seven, B Street, you know, all, and then just whatever numbers you think are relevant. So that's how I do it. Love it. Great answer. Great question. Michael, so I know you do a live show. Tell them, first of all, too, a couple things. You can find Michael at One Rental at a Time. He's on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Mm -hmm. um, when do you do the live show? I believe it's Saturday mornings, right? So I do a couple of things. So I do a daily financial show at 7.30 a.m. every day. And then I do a live Q&A session, 8 a.m. Saturdays. There you go. So for those of you that didn't get your answer, get on the live. The lives are great. He answers every single one of the questions. Um, it's a great way to start your morning. Michael, thank you so much. Adrian, parting I, words. I just want you guys to see how simple Michael keeps this. You guys, I, I personally think the longer we're real estate agents, the more like equations and definitions and things that we want to figure out. Michael doesn't know any of that. He's just keeping it super, super simple and he's executing at a high level. So I think there's one thing we can all get from this. You guys don't overcomplicate this. Don't overthink this. This is so much simpler than it needs to be. But because of our profession, right? We have this, we want to know, we want to know, we go to a thousand seminars, but we don't master anything. So if we can master one thing, if we can take one thing from this call, it's Michael didn't come from a real estate background, guys. He came from, from corporate America and he's still able to do what we do. We're in the deal. Let's take advantage of it and make sure that we're asking Michael as many questions. Michael, I'm going to flood your inbox with questions, man. I'm so excited and I, I can't wait for next year. Anytime, man. I'm, I'm game. Anytime you want. Thank I you guys all for participating. We really appreciate it. Michael Zuber, thank you so much. You guys, again, I want to plug his book in. Go to Amazon, type in one reno at a time, order his book, go to Audible, order his book. It, anybody get something from today's call? Just show of hands. Anybody get something from, okay, then go follow Michael, guys. Give him some love. Make sure you smash that subscribe button on YouTube. Thank you all for being a part of today. TYLG. Yeah, so this will be, I'm going to send this to Michael. He's going to repost this on his channel. So go on to his channel, subscribe. This will be reposted. So if you want to rewatch it, pause it, take notes, whatever the case may be, as well as comment, ask questions. Michael is dedicated to that YouTube channel. So you guys can have access to him, as well as share it with your friends and family. Share it with people you know. Share it with coworkers in the audience. Share Squad Up with everybody. I just... I want to thank everybody for your time, your energy. This has been a great year. I want to especially thank Adrian because Adrian was the one originally in March when COVID first hit that pulled me in to his accountability group. And for those of you that are prospecting or just want a little shot in the arm, 9 a.m.s, we're doing the same thing. It's in the Squad Up Facebook group. You can find the link. 9 a.m. every morning, Monday through Friday, we're doing sales, like a little mini sales meeting, just a smaller version of what we're doing here, a little 15, 30-minute version of what we do here. So thank you, Michael. Thank you, Adrian. Thank you all. Have a great holiday. You guys, don't go anywhere yet. Just some last-minute words. This is the last call of 2020. So we ended with this call starting next year. Yeah, give, give yourself a round of applause. Give yourself a round of applause. We couldn't have done this without you. This has been all organic. We're doing no marketing for this and you have to have a link to do it. So to see 50 people, 60 people on is great. 
just to let just to let you know come january of next year guys it's no longer going to be on a link we're going facebook live instagram live and youtube live so everything's going to change the platform come january is going to change so i thank you guys for being a part of the inner circle we're going to get all of your names down we know exactly who you are we're going to make sure you're rewarded and we'll also give a follow-up link for those of you that joined our accountability that ended as ty said that ended yesterday so we have a big event coming up in january february i'm going to get with ty we'll get that situated and uh again guys i just want to thank you so much please do me a favor if you got something out of this share it share the squad up page really appreciate you guys Love you all. Finish the year strong. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy New Year's, everybody. See you soon. Thank you, guys. Love you, guys.